On today's edition of Best of the Podcast, we're going to take you on a field trip from a visit with a salt-of-the-earth Amazon seller to celebrity parties and luxury sports cars, then finishing with an expert in how to go about selling your Amazon business. Almost every week, we find out that there's been a change on Amazon. At the same time, many things stay the same. Our new Helium 10's Best of Podcast series offers a new look and updated commentary about snippets of your favorite episodes from our Serious Sellers podcast, our written blog post, the Ask Me Anything YouTube-based program, and our in-house Helium 10 news features. Now, this second edition of our new Helium 10's Best of Podcast is going to take you on an Amazon field trip to see what's possible on the platform and possibly to give you a few ideas how you might use aspects of their approaches to create your own success on Amazon. Today, we're featuring an e-commerce superstar with a golden touch who creates success and money no matter where he seems to turn. There's also a salt-of-the-earth seller that took his analog business skills and pivoted, turning himself into a modern-day e-commerce dynamo. It wouldn't be an Amazon fantasy if there weren't celebrity parties and luxury sports cars involved. Well, today we've got some of those as well. And to finish, we have a seller who talks about what is universally considered to be the best way of making money on Amazon, selling your Amazon business. Did you ever wonder how the teams that win the major sporting championships are seen wearing congratulatory t-shirts and hats bearing their team's name as the clock is ticking down to zero? Well, that's because there's another mirror image sets of t-shirts out there somewhere and that set is congratulating the big game's eventual loser. Because of the lead time required, they simply have to print two versions to be ready for either outcome. What happens to the loser set of t-shirt and hats? Ezra Firestone knows because although he might now have revenues in excess of $35 million and over 110 employees, he began his e-commerce journey by selling those historically inaccurate t-shirts. I kind of decided at an early age that I would like to be able to access resource so I could use that resource towards causes that I found noble. And I think that's what entrepreneurs are up to is like looking to generate resource so that we can take care of people. And in my case, it was my family, my community, different, you know, causes in the world that I was interested in. But, you know, I grew up actually retailing. So the way that we would make money is we would sell things at the flea market and we would get whatever we could, you know, we would, we would, we'd get the t-shirts of the team that didn't win the Super Bowl, you know, cause they print them for both people. We, we'd get anything and we would bring it to the flea market and we would sell there. And the flea market was a really good education in retail. Cause it was old school buy for one and sell for two, you know, test crayon versus mm-hmm. marker, build your, build your physical store on the corner that had the most traffic, get there early. Like it was all the same stuff that I'm doing now. I'm just doing it digitally and I'm not limited to a certain geography like I was at the flea market. But um, yeah, I, I never had a job. You know, I came straight out of high school, became a um, uh, moved to New York City to play poker for a living in the underground scene. Did that for a few years. Went by the name Johnny, how you doing? That was really fun. But, you know, the life of a poker player is up all night, sleep all day, hang out with a bunch of degenerates, no women around. It was not for me. Ezra feels that it takes a long time for a business to truly develop and says that, People judge their success way too early. I would say find something that you're find something that you can be interested in 
and then do that for a long period of time. Because what turns out, it's that humans are attracted to winning cycles. So we do the things that we win at and we fall in love with the things that we win at. So if you pick up an instrument every day for a year and you play it, and over the course of that year, you get good at it, you fall in love with it because you are winning at it. And then it becomes this cycle where you just get better and better because you're enjoying it because you're doing well at it. And business is this funny thing because it takes a long time to see success. Most people start judging their success way too early. Like you have to give yourself six to 12 months to figure out what it is you're even going to do. And for my case, it takes six to 12 months to develop a new product. And then I need six months or so to build the technology system and another six months to market it. So it's 18 to 24 months before I've even done six months of marketing on a new business. And then I need to assess that and do another six months. So I feel like if you're starting a new offer on Amazon or otherwise, you've got to give it 12 to 36 months before you judge your action. And most people are judging their action at month 12 when they really haven't had enough time, energy, effort invested in the business to really find out if it's going to be successful. And so that's a a mistake I see a lot of young folks who are coming up make is they want that money right away. They want it to work immediately. And it's like something of value takes time and energy to develop. It's easy to fall prey to the shiny object syndrome and be tempted to chase down every new idea that comes around. Ezra encourages sellers to find an aspect of Amazon that you're good at and then drill down to really find success. I would start going deep rather than wide. Yes, I have four successful seven and one eight figure company, but I did not begin launching the others until one was up and running and successful. So you have to go real. Mm. You don't want to be like a shotgun, shiny object syndrome, doing everything. You want to just focus and really get something going. And the path that I would take over right now, I have an information publishing, consulting uh, services slash events, like kind of coaching business and smart marketer, where I create digitally delivered information products for e-commerce business owners. That's a really fun business, but it is built on my persona. So it has an inherent downside, which is it can never be sold. And it's not worth anything because it's only worth the next month's cash flow in as much as it is built around me, the influencer. Then I have software as a service where I build, app, just like Helium 10, I build an app. You guys do it for Amazon business owners. I do it for Shopify e-commerce merchants. And that's a really wonderful mm-hmm. business, but it's way harder than physical products because the support staff has to be almost 100 times more knowledgeable than the support staff for a digital mark or a physical product business because they have to know how to use the software better than the business owners who are using it. And the product itself is variable. Like with an, a software business, you are uh, selling a code base that's constantly being upgraded, constantly changing, constantly needing integrations. And with physical products, as you scale, the only thing that has to scale is the marketing because the product itself doesn't change. We spend a lot of time talking about how to find success on Amazon. Here's an interesting approach to find success off of Amazon. That is the wonderful thing about direct response is that it's the great equalizer because, you know, in on Amazon, oftentimes the best product really does win in the marketplace based on the reviews. I'm mean, not always, but oftentimes the best product wins off of Amazon. The best promise wins. Yes, you need a wonderful Ooh, product like and that. you need your product to live up to the promise that you made. But he or she who can make the best promise will win because people buy promises. They don't buy products. And so he or she who can tell the best story, he or she who can be the most entertaining, he or she who can make the best product about the benefit that the product is going to deliver. That's who wins. And so, you know, you see all these 
small direct-to-consumer retail apparel brands that are totally disrupting business models like Macy's and JCPenney and Nordstrom because they're going direct-to-consumer with story-based marketing and nobody's going to the malls anymore. So it's really happening a lot. And yeah, you don't need, you can go into pretty much any market you want if you get good at storytelling. I, I think the, the number one skill set that someone needs as a marketer is the ability to communicate, to tell a good story, and then get that story out in front of the people they want to see it effectively. How would you like 500 of the top media companies linking back to your products? Norm Farrar, a sought-after business consultant and expert on Amazon, is going to offer us tips on doing just that. We've been experimenting and doing a lot of work with um, uh, the, the um, FB Messenger and doing Search Find Buy. But you can also do that kind of uh, like if, if people are doing specific instructions, these rebate companies, you can give specific instructions to them as well. If you are yeah. running the Facebook Messenger um, system. So what ends up happening is you've got this link that the first link going back to your, your storefront or uh, to your product uh, listing. And you've got the power of 500 major news companies linking to it, which Amazon loves, Google loves. And the other thing that you can do, which nobody is doing, absolutely nobody's doing. I, I haven't heard of it. We're, we're the only people really talking about it, I think, um, is whatever you're writing the press release about, we're writing a 1500 to 2500 word, really incredible content, uh, um, a blog article that we post on a website. So guess what happens? First link goes back to the store. Second or third link goes over to that article. In the article, we've linked it back to the store. So now they're getting the juice. We're getting the juice. Amazon's getting the juice. Google loves the article because it's education and knowledge base. And all of this is no promotion. In Canada, where Norm Farrar grew up and still lives, a long beard can often mean one thing. It means that you play hockey and your team is deep into the playoffs. Norm is not going to the playoffs anytime soon. He started the impressive beard he is known for while living in Toronto and supporting the Montreal Canadiens during their playoff push. One more thing that he's known for is his success on Amazon and the set of standard operating procedures that he has created and put into place. He now has over 400 SOPs and 279 alone having to do with launching a product. If it's repeatable, regardless if you think, if you think you're gonna repeat the task, then record it. One of the things you wanna do with, with um, SOPs is the, the minor stuff, the daily, the daily routine. So if you're coming in and you're spending time, messages, feedback, um, uh, reviews, those are easy things to, you know, to get off your plate. Just going through and checking the listings I and mean, very easy things to get off your plate. What you want to do is you want to take those $10 tasks that are repeat and just record them. You can either just, you know, get Camtasia or, you know, a, a, a product like that and just press the screen record, go through the process as you do it, and then give it to your, um, your VA. Uh, what I, it's literally, I start with the $10 tasks. I see what I'm doing. Most the, the most repeated tasks that I do on a daily basis, weekly, quarterly, annually, and they get done. And what you'll find out, you don't have to do 279 in a week. 
I find that you know people have the panic button. You know, once they have to uh, put together an SOP, they is they don't know the process, so they get worried that it's taking too long. But all they have to realize is if you do one pro, uh, SOP a week, first of all, you'll be an expert in a couple of months. But you're going to have you know four, eight, twelve, sixteen really great processes together, and you'll be able to just farm it out. We all know that it starts with product launch. Here's one from Norm that you might not have heard of yet. My launch strategy is so simple. So let's take PPC off the table. Lots of people, lots of your guests talk about PPC. So Mm -hmm. that's a given. However, this is so simple. I'll tell it like what I do for my launch. And usually when I tell people my launch strategy, the next question is, well, what's your launch strategy? (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But anyways, this is how simple. So we, we've changed this over the years. Um, we used to work with, you know, 90% off um, coupons or I, I hate mm-hmm. to say it, but you know, at the time it was, it was okay. Incentivized reviews. Mm-hmm. Now it's not, it's taboo, mm-hmm. but we've changed that to um, we do different type of keyword strategy. Okay. So we, we go and we research on helium 10 the, um, the keywords, we download them, we bring them into specific sort of silos. And then from that, we target rebates. We do anywhere from, um, a 70% to hundred percent off giveaway, which the okay. keywords we're using, the URLs that we're using to you uh, or the keywords that we're using for the rebates are tied in to press releases. Since this was the first serious sellers podcast episode where we introduced that TST, the 32nd tip, Here's norms. Because I'm working with press releases, get a press release, create a blog article, make sure that the blog or the press release links to the blog article and make sure that it's a 1500 to 2500 word blog article. If you're looking for something else on perceived value, one of the, the, the things I've, I've talked before about, I think on um, the, the other podcast with Manny um, was handwritten notes. They go a mile. They cost a penny to do. You get them done in China. They're generic. You get them sit, shipped over, do 20,000 at a time, and then they can just go into your containers as you go. It's just a personal note that you can send out. It's going to cost money to get your product to the top of the page. Steve Howe, our next Amazon seller, originally made a failed $700,000 bet on a product idea and then walked away speaking positively of the lessons that he and his team learned. Now he's a millionaire flying high and has that dream Lamborghini. It was with another kind of vehicle though, that he started making money. At uh, about 11 years old, my dad bought a riding lawnmower and um, I started riding around the block and uh, just asking people to mow the lawns. And um, the lawnmower went super fast. It wasn't one of those like zero turn radius ones like we have today. And uh, my dad said only one person on at a time. And I like to ride things. I was like a go-kart kid and stuff like that. And no sooner than we got down the block, we disobeyed, we got on it and I ran it through this lady's garage door. So I obviously had to pay her back for like this thousand dollar garage door. So I had to mow her lawn for free. So I'd negotiated with her putting a sign in her lawn that said lawns, you know, $10 a month. I had the whole neighborhood unlocked by the time I was done. And, um, mowing lawns was kind of boring because I played sports. So I had to kind of play sports on weekends. And that's when a lot of people wanted their lawns to look pretty and stuff. So I eventually outsourced that to one of the guys in the neighborhood 
and continued to play sports, got jobs at like Hungry Howie's and, you know, retail and stuff like that at like 17 flipping pizzas and working in, you know, Good Vibrations, which is now PacSun. And, you know, that just really wasn't for me, but that was just to kind of appease the parents because I was a little bit of a troublemaker if I wasn't focused on something and doing something constructive. Creating a vibrant social network and having a lot of money in the bank while still in his 20s kind of sounds like it might have been fun. From there, I mean, we just continued to really position ourselves as like the fun group. Like when we would go to trade shows, we had kegs at our booth. We, you know, we would bring girls, we'd bring cool swag. You know, we would sponsor fun parties with like rappers and stuff like that. We just did things that were unordinary. And we took a different path to everyone else in the industry that was kind of, you know, having meet and greets and like, you know, round tables and stuff like that. That was fun. But really these 20 year old kids, they wanted to go see acai berry jelly wrestling. They really wanted to see a rap <laughs> battle, you know, like they didn't, they came there for work, but they wanted to make connections and have a fun time. And so that's exactly what we did. And that's why we became kind of like the people's network back then. After taking his whole team to the Traffic and Conversion Summit, they got together and threw some ideas up on the whiteboard. He says that he went hard on that new product launch. They ultimately had to walk away from the idea because they had started the process with a lot of money and enthusiasm, but not enough real data. I decided to take the the team, um, the creative team, to Traffic and Conversion Summit in 2016. Came back, came into the office on a Saturday immediately following the event said, what are we going to do? What are we going to build? We're going to build something. Here we go. And, you know, we whiteboarded out a creative session and somehow we ended up on yoga. I've never done yoga. I've never been on a mat. I don't know anything about yoga. <laughs> I couldn't even still today hardly tell you many of the, the poses. Um, but we ended up on yoga. And so we went really hard. And when I say hard, I mean, like everything else I do, I had a lot of money to fund this. And so I went and bought camera and video equipment to the tunes of, you know, probably $150,000. I bought a house to do filming and video in downtown that wasn't in an HOA so that we could just park in the yard and do whatever. Um, I hired a girl and got her her yoga teacher training. Um, I bought products in and around the entire yoga niche. And I just jumped in with both feet super hard. And, um, I was sitting there beating my head after like a year um, of like, why isn't this working? Um, and I, and I blamed it on myself because I'd gotten in a car accident in 2016 and I spent a lot of time in the hospital recovering from uh, a near death experience. And I was like, well, this is why it's not working. We just need to give it more time. It takes time to build a brand. But the, the, the God honest truth now that I look back on it and reflect on it was because we didn't start with real data. We didn't start with metrics. We didn't start with information. We started with an idea and we started with money. No one said you couldn't base your product ideas around fun. Steve has developed a product that he hopes will support the wellness of young festival goers across the globe. One, the name of the company I thought really uh, fits really well with this music industry and festival kind of uh, crowd. Um, I'll go ahead and say it. You know, the, the name has the word dope in it. So, I mean, dope means cool. Dope means dopamines. Dope means drugs. You know, dope means a lot of things in this. Like, it's a very trendy word right now. So, dope vitamins was the word uh, that I went ahead and, you know, filed a trademark on for this product. And um, I noticed that, you know, I've been going to festivals for like the last three years here in Orlando. I'm not a festival junkie. I don't follow DJs. I'm not a big, I'm not a groupie of anything like that in life. And um, I'm really close with some of the insomniac uh, people. I might have uh, upset them a little bit this weekend, but hopefully they can forgive me. But um, 
Yeah. So I noticed that, you know, with festivals, there's Corona, there's Smirnoff, there's this, there's even Tender and Bumble, but there's nothing synonymous with health or wellness. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, wow, all these people out here, they're wrecking their bodies, they're getting drunk, they're waking up early, they're going to bed late, they're not sleeping at all, they're eating poorly, they're out in the sun, they're dehydrated, they're broke, you know, like they're spending all their money on festival tickets. I was like, how can I help these people with a line of supplements? And so I came up with like a a series of, you know, five supplements that kind of tell a story of, you know, start to finish and uh, either throughout the festival weekend or, you know, leading up to the festival and festival close. And um, I worked with a a team of professionals, put together packaging, design, branding, formulations, and the whole works. You can't listen to experienced Amazon sellers for very long before the subject of selling your Amazon business comes up. It is, after all, the way that most will say is the best way to really make money on Amazon. In this last episode, we're going to hear from Ken, who's the VP of acquisitions for a company that is one of the fastest growing acquirers of Amazon third-party FBA brands. What are they looking for exactly? So we're actually very broad in in what we look for and look at. And I probably looked at over 300 companies over the past year. Um, And what we really look for is... First and foremost, I call it R cubed. So it's reviews, rating, and rank. Do they have the reviews that should establish them as a leadership position just from a social proof standpoint in the, in the, in the category? Do they have the rating, the product quality to back up and sustain their position? And then rank, are they ranking organically on high keyword volume? And so when you have that trifecta, then we move down to the category. And when it's on a category basis, you know, we love simple, uh, everyday, hard, good objects. Um, so we're not really, you know, we haven't done anything, I would say, like in the supplement space or food and grocery. Um, we haven't done anything in, I would say, trendy apparel um, or something with high uh, technology obsolescence risk. But other than that, we look across the entire range of categories. I'm sure that more than a few of you are wondering what your Amazon business is worth. Here's how Ken does his math. Yeah, so typically the market values Amazon businesses based on their trailing 12 months profit. Now that's commonly defined as seller's discretionary earnings. So it's your net profit and then you would add back to that um, the owner's expenses. So if let's say they drew a salary of $100,000 a year to pay themselves. You would add that back to to the net profit to calculate your seller's discretionary earnings. And then once you have an agreed upon seller's discretionary earning number, then you would apply a multiple to that. And that is really, you know, it's art and science. So it's not, we don't sit back here and have this huge, uh, you know, (laughs) computer sitting in a room that calculates the value of the business. It's really uh, looking at growth trends, looking at product launches, looking at the moat that the product has, um, you know, the product score, the the opportunity, the competitive landscape, you know, just like if you were going to go out and buy a business, you'd look at all those things, right? So we, yeah. we, we factor all that in and then, and then we come to what we think of is a fair, a fair valuation of the business. Selling on Amazon sometimes feels like a merry-go-round of activity. How do you know when it's time to get off? Yeah, so it's morphed into actually reverse engineering that as it stands today. But initially it was, you know, as you know, and all the sellers know, it's getting harder to 
get reviews to build a leadership position in a market. Um, you know, the landscape has changed from 2015, 2016 um, to today uh, in terms of the cost and effectiveness of launching new products on Amazon. And so the initial thesis was, well, let's, you know, there, there's a void in the market in terms of capital providers to Amazon sellers in terms yeah. of an exit, right? And w- what we found in our early conversations with sellers is that, you know, they have the toolkit and capital to get them the three, four, five million dollars of revenue. But once they hit that, they hit a glass ceiling and they're, you know, oftentimes leveraging up their credit cards and you know, taking out loans or maybe they're taking out a secondary mortgage on their home to keep the inventory flowing. And at the end of the day, they were putting, you know, the personal balance sheet to extreme leverage and risk. A lot of times we find ourselves cleaning our house when company comes over and it feels so good. We wonder why we didn't do it earlier for ourselves. When it comes to your Amazon business, why not clean it up yourself, getting it running right and keep it? There's first level improvements. So that would be, uh, again, supply looking very, uh, you know, intently on the supply chain and supply chain costs. Secondarily would be the advertising campaigns. Uh, are Are they optimizing for a cost? Is there opportunity, um, to, invest more dollars in advertising to, to hit the, the target a cost for a given product. Um, keep staying in stock, right? I mean, you know, I, I've seen so many businesses that, you know, drop in BSR because they go out of stock for a month and they're still crawling out, right? It's kind of, you know, it's one of the things that we do day one is make sure we're adequately stocked across the board. And then when you move down to, you know, second level uh, improvements in brand, and that's uh, things that are a little bit longer dated, but, you know, we have an awesome team internally that moves quickly and is able to enact a lot of improvements. And that would be um, creative refresh. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that we've been able to increase conversion rates, you know, 15, 20, you know, 30% on listings by refreshing creative. Um, and then off, off Amazon traffic sources, uh, influencers, YouTube, you know, outside Amazon advertising avenues, investing in those, um, there's, you know, there's just a bunch of different growth avenues, um, to really optimize the businesses. Well, there you have it guys. Don't forget that if you would like to subscribe to the podcast, absolutely click subscribe somewhere right there on your Spotify or in your iTunes account, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to us right now. And then you'll be able to catch these episodes as they drop. Don't forget, we launch episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, and also now Saturdays as well. So keep on crushing it, guys, and I'll see you on the next episode.